Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering for. You know, my first thing I'm going to do in the offseason, which I guess we'll start next week once the free agency is over, is I got to change that intro because we still have Pat Foley screaming, Leonard! And he hasn't been on the team in three months. So uh, yes. make, make that goal number one for the offseason. And he oh. probably will never be on the team again. I, I would wager high sums. But welcome in to another episode of Musings on Madison. It's been a while. Uh, hope everyone's doing well. We're here because we got some Blackhawk stuff to talk about. And before I do all that, I want to introduce the two other guys that are with me today. It's my usual line mates. First up, it is the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hi. It took me a shorter amount of time to get my master's degree than it took the NHL to get through six rounds of hockey draft. (laughs) In my next time, it's going to take you just as long to get through that whole thing. Yes. By the way, I I don't even think I said, I'm I'm Dave Melton. I guess I'm kind of the host of this thing. I probably should introduce myself first, but... Oh, yeah. We'll let Shepard go first. It's, it's 2020. It's weird. Weird things happen. Our other line mate tonight, it's the site manager, and I'd trade up to get him in the first round if I needed to, but it might need to throw in a third-round pick to get there. It is Brandon Kane. Yeah, I think the only bad thing on my scouting report would be not enough hair. Same. <laughs> I mean, but like, look at players like Ryan Getzlaff. They don't need hair. They don't need hair. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Getzlaff had like at least some flow when he was drafted. I'm looking up this draft photo right now. There had to be something on that guy. I, I th- I'm I think- trying to think of like, the, I'm trying to think of like the last bald player drafted. It's like, nobody's bald at 18 is the thing. Oh, he had some good hair. He did. I, I think I remember, but then just it slowly receded from his head. And then it was a horseshoe for a while. I'm not going to say anything bad about the guy's hair though, because I, I can, Brandon, you might be able to share a similar thing is I don't remember when I noticed that I was losing my hair, but I vividly remember when somebody else pointed it out to me and I was 19 years old at the time. Oh yeah. That's the bad part. Yeah. The first <laughs> you're time just like going about your life and then someone just fucks it up for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was coming. It, it's in the family genes, but it, and it happened to me before all of my siblings. So yeah. Same here, but that's cause I'm the oldest. So. Oh, well, there you go. I'm not, I'm the middle of five and I started losing my hair before any of them, which is bullshit, but thanks genetics. (laughs) Uh, But thank you for tuning into this episode of Musings on Madison. You can follow along with all of us on Twitter and we're, I think we're kind of entertaining during games. Brandon is on Twitter at Brandon M. Cade, Brandon M. Cain, C-A-I-N, excuse me. Shepard is at Shepard Price. I'm at underscore Dave Melton. You can follow our main account. Usually one of us is running the show during any big Blackhawks uh, moments and games. That is at 2ND City Hockey. Also visit our website, secondcityhockey.com, for all of our Blackhawks-related content. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast. And we'd also really, really appreciate if anybody out there would like to rate and review us. But we humbly request a five-star one if you enjoy this content because, well, that just makes us look good. But with all of that out of the way, gentlemen, uh, the reason we've assembled on this Wednesday night is for the last day and a half, and today felt like it might have been three days, as Shepard referenced earlier, the NHL draft happened. Blackhawks made seven picks. Uh, I I guess we could run down all of them really quick. First rounder, Lucas Reichel, left winger. Second rounder, they got goalie. And Brandon, you might have to help me with some of these names. How do you say Drew Camiso? Yeah. Drew Camiso, goalie, second round, 46 overall. Third rounder, 
Landon Slaggart from Brandon. South Bend, Indiana. Thank you. Also known as Notre Dame. I, I, I think like Notre Dame is like its own city within South Bend. I think it's like the Vatican city is its own country <laughs> in Rome. I never mind. Uh, they had, later in the third round, they got Wyatt Kaiser, who's from Minnesota and now plays at University of Minnesota Duluth, just finished high school in the summer. In the fourth round, they got Michael Cruto. I, I, I'm, hopefully, as these guys get better, I get more familiar with their names and have a reason to get more familiar with their names. But we got to check out that Prince Nation. Machine. I do, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he's a defenseman. Fifth round, they got Isaac Phillips, a left-handed defenseman from the OHL. Sixth round, they got Chad Yetman from the Eriotters of the OHL, which also produced Alex Debrinkit and Dylan Strome, but I wouldn't quite put those expectations on Yetman yet. You're welcome, Andy. And in the seventh round, after a trade the Blackhawks made to get back into the seventh round because they initially did not have a seventh-round pick, they selected a very big boy in Louis Crevier, a right-handed defenseman from Chicoutimi out of the QMJHL. And I heard Bob McKenzie say Chicoutimi so many times that I actually know now how to say it myself. But Crevier is 6'7", 216, and apparently he actually skates kind of well for a big guy. So, So there's that. Instead of going through the entire draft all at once, I think we wanted to focus on initially, well, let's start off by talking about Lucas Reichel because obviously the first-round pick is going to get the most attention. Um, he's just finished up playing in the, the DEL in Germany as a 17-year-old playing against grown men, had uh, 24 points in 42 games. May not be the most eye-popping numbers, but you also have to remember he was 17 years old playing, uh, playing against full-grown adult men. So it's, it's not bad. And I, obviously with the Blackhawks playing against that team in their little jaunt to Europe last summer, uh, he did enough to register on the Blackhawks Raider, and now he is a member of the Blackhawks. So, Shepard Press, I'll go to you first. What did you think about the Lucas Reichel selection? At first, somewhat uh, a little bit down about it because he's a left wing, uh, and that's a position of strength for the Blackhawks. Little like uh, the White Sox doing something in the summer that they shouldn't have done and trying to get rid of James McCann out of nowhere. I'm still, I'm still getting over the White Sox disappointment, so we'll just. I'm still getting over them some some for some reason picking up Yasmani Grandal when they have when they had James McCann, um, <laughs> who, who who proved to be a bender this this summer. But yeah, uh, left wing is a position of strength. But looking at the looking at his advanced stats that they didn't have access to beforehand, he's got all the numbers you want to see out of a uh, out of a winger. Um, he does everything you want to see. He high danger. He's great at. He's a pretty good defender um, in a league that doesn't defend. Uh, the DEL is not a great backchecking league, but um, Lucas Reichel does all the right things, and I, I'm sort of up about the pick. He's one of the most like wide ranging members of the first round in terms of like where he could have gone, but I, I don't mind the Blackhawks picking up a left wing if it's him. We might get more into this discussion later, and I, we were talking about this before we came on the air here. I, I try not to get too wrapped up in instant reactions to hockey draft picks because right. Reichel, uh, he turned 18 years old in May. So yeah. the road between him and potentially getting to the Blackhawks is a long one. It's at, I think he said two years at least before he's going to be able to make the jump to the NHL. So – there's a lot of development that could occur between now and then or that could or could not occur. Um, so I, I don't really know, like you kind of, the, the things you were talking about, Shepard, there's a lot of things to like about him. I, I think it was, it was kind of interesting when he picked, cause we did a, a 10 part breakdown of guys that the Blackhawks might pick. It was eight or 10 and Reichel, if I remember correctly, was not one of them. So no. I guess it was a little bit of a shock that the Blackhawks picked him, but like you said, there, there's a lot to like. There's a lot of talent there. He's got the hockey IQ. He's a decent skater. I mean, he does things. He does things that suggest if he continues on the trajectory he's been on for the last couple of years, he could be a very good hockey player. And I think one of the players he gets compared to a lot, at least from a Chicago perspective, is Brandon Sott. And then I saw a few other comps for him. One of them was uh, John Tavares, which if he turns out to be John Tavares, that would just be excellent because the Blackhawks could use a guy like that. But I, don't know, I, I have a hard time making hard definitive statements about draft picks in hockey because of how young these guys are now and how much more they need to progress just to be able to compete for an NHL spot. And then if they get to the NHL, 
then they got to prove their worth at the NHL level, and that's a whole other thing. So, you know, right. we'll see where it goes. I mean, he could be – like the Blackhawks, we, Brandon and I were talking about this. They never picked a number 17 before, but I think they've had two number 16 picks that worked out very differently. One was Mark McNeil, and the other was Tavo Teravainen. And there's really not a great way to know which one's going to be which. Hopefully, if he turns into Tavo, he doesn't get traded away. We're still bitter. Anyway, uh, Brandon Kane, what are your thoughts on this one? Blackhawks VP of Amateur Scouting, Mark Kelly, said that he and GM Stan Bowman were on the phone trying to move up to 10, 11, or 12 in the draft, but the teams weren't receptive. That is a good point. I I forgot to mention that. Thank you. So those picks were in order. Uh, Center Cole Perfetti to Winnipeg, Yaroslav Askarov, goaltender to the Predators and Finnish center Anton Lindell to the Panthers. So my thought is the Blackhawks went into the draft wanting a goaltender no matter what. They had their goalie board. It was Askarov, and then it was the guy that they took in the second round, Camrose. And when they couldn't move up to get Askarov, they realized that they could not get Lewis Reichel with the second round. So they went with Reichel in the first round and then they got their number two goalie. And that's why Kelly said um, after the draft that they were a bit worried that he might not be available to them at 46 where they drafted him. Um, They thought he might go off the board. And then once one goalie goes, then you see a string of them go. Um, after like the top one goes, then there's like, you know, a chunk of two or three that kind of go after that in succession. And that happened this time. And they were worried that the number two guy goes, then three, four, five, and you get the the back end of it to where a guy you like and you've watched played, but maybe you're not as keen on where they're playing and the development that they'll receive. And, and Kelly said that they like where – the goalie's going to be at Boston U and he's going to be the starter there. And that's a place that's produced some good goalies in you know, the recent past. Right. And it's also a place that's easy to scout for the Blackhawks with Alex Vlasic and Jake Wise also there. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta save money. It's, it's a tough time. We're in a pandemic. Budgets (laughs) are tight. So a very frugal move by the Blackhawks to make that draft pick. I, I, the way you laid out Brandon, kind of how the scenario worked with, wanting to maybe trade up to seems like probably to get Askarov because the Blackhawks goalie pipeline is noticeably thin. And we might talk about later how it still is pretty thin, even after this draft. But I guess my only concern is that. Thinner than Tim Anderson. Huh? Said it's thinner than Tim Anderson. How dare you? (laughs) It's a compliment. I wish I was that thin. I mean, I am, but. I I don't even know where I'm going with this, but uh, anyway, uh, back. What was I talking about? Hockey. That's right. Um, Rushing goaltenders and yeah. So, like, I I understand wanting to get your guy. Like, obviously, the Blackhawks had Reichel pegged as the guy they wanted, and then they also had Kamazo pegged as the guy they wanted. My only concern is that you get so focused on saying this is the guy that we want that you put on blinders, I guess it, it opens them up to a lot of potential scrutiny down the road where if either Weichel or Kamazo don't pan out, then you can look back in hindsight and say, well, why were you so zeroed in on these two specific guys when there were a lot of other players available that you might have been able to trade up or trade down or maybe maneuver something to get them in a more appropriate spot if you really wanted them that badly. So I guess, I mean, it. it with it's the case with every other draft pick in hindsight if it works out you look like a genius if not it doesn't look great the one encouraging thing i will say about picking a european player in the first round i don't exactly know how the blackhawks scouting thing is works out but i assume the guys that look at the european players that scout the european leagues were also probably heavily involved in the scouting of reichel because if you look at who the blackhawks have plucked out of europe recently i mean Dominic Cahoon was a pretty good NHL player. Uh, may not have been a top-line star, but he he contributed. They also plucked Dominic Kubalik out of Europe or, or traded for him 
and and then he came over from Europe and had the rookie season that he did. So if the Blackhawks European scouting was involved in uh, noticing Reichel, that gives me some confidence that maybe he'll also be a good NHL player and have to credit former Second City Hockey contributor Adam Hess with pointing that out because I didn't think of that myself. But I, I thought that was an interesting observation of the Blackhawks have had success getting guys who were – well into their 20s out of Europe, so maybe getting a teenager out of Europe will prove to be just as effective. So there's and, that. And, and during the, the uh, exhibition game, uh, Pat Foley mentions the Blackhawks head European scout saying that he was very high on Reichel. And then during the interview with Bert, Mark Kelly said, it certainly was, he was so like, noticeable during the game, but that's not why they drafted him. It was just kind of like, oh, if we're going to, like, look at the DEL, this is a kid we have to watch. Yeah, it seemed like that might have tipped them off about his ability, and then they kept an eye on him throughout the season and realized, oh, maybe we should get this guy in the first round. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, like I said, it's it's probably going to be at least a year or two before he makes it to the NHL level. Um, I, I They usually have a prospect camp that you assume he would have been invited to, but given everything that's going on right now, I don't imagine they're having a prospect camp in 2020. So maybe we'll get to see him in 2021 at a prospect camp. Who knows? But really quickly, Brandon, you started talking about him there. The second round pick, uh, Dean Camazo, the goalie from Boston. Is that you say that again? Sorry. Drew. He's But he's going to Boston. He's a left-handed catching goalie, which seems like everyone is. Be a teammate with Vlasic and Jake Wise, as was mentioned earlier. Um, I don't know a ton about him because I'll be totally honest with everyone. Draft uh, prospects is not really my forte. So Shepard Brandon, if any of you guys have burning thoughts to share on this goalie, go right ahead. I don't think he's the best play. I don't, I don't think he's the best goaltender who was available to them when Nico Dawes was there. Um, okay. His advanced stats aren't great in terms of goaltending. Like he's well below goal saved above average and all that stuff that you look at and like, the NHL because there's prospect trackers who have those stats available. He doesn't look great. I mean, his stats, I mean, a 920 save percentage doesn't usually lie, but it's also in the US and TDP. And I don't know how much I trust that league because look at the last number one overall they produced, who was clearly not ready for the NHL. I think the choice was Blumquist or Dawes there. So I'll eat my words if I'm wrong here, but I just, I'm not feeling great about it. Brandon, did you have anything else to add about him? Yeah, I don't think Dawes was in that conversation. I think it was Blumquist or... And Clyde. Yeah, or Clyde. That's how I would have gone with Askarov, Blumquist, Clang, and then either Dawes or the guy the Blackhawks selected. Um, Comiso? Yeah, he, Comiso, is very, like, just, like, highlights and stuff that I've watched today, very, like calm and steady in the crease, but gives up a lot of rebounds, Eek. which is definitely not a good thing if you're playing for the Blackhawks. Because <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like there's just like a welcome mat that they put in front of the crease, and they're like, come play in high-danger areas. Right. <laughs> yes. And that probably will only get worse this year, but we'll talk about that later. Well, well maybe, maybe in five years when he – takes over the Blackhawks goaltending spot, they'll be better. Yeah, yeah. maybe Nick, yeah. Nick Bowden and Ian Mitchell and Adam Boquist will change it. But. There you go. There, there's your dose of optimism for the day. I, I want to read you this tweet from Jimmy Greenfield, former Blackhawks beat reporter for the Tribune. Said <laughs> if, if he follows the Corey Crawford track, he would be the Blackhawks starting goalie in 2027. Yep. So that gives you an idea of how long it takes for goalies to marinate at the – college and minor league level before they make the jump to the NHL and he's only 18 years old uh the entire goaltending thing is weird it's nowhere near an exact science I don't think outside of the actual goalie world I don't think anybody knows exactly knows what makes it work and and how to make it work and how to develop them so I'll keep your fingers crossed and maybe something good will happen for him in the next four to five years I I really I don't know what else to say about that because and I, I guess the one thing we can touch on is that uh, we, we there was all those calls for to draft Askarov, the the Russian goalie who uh, was had so much hype about him, and it sounds like the Blackhawks 
as Brandon mentioned earlier, were trying to trade up to get into those sweepstakes. It just didn't work out. But even if you add Comazo into the Blackhawks uh, organization, they are still paper thin at the goaltending spot. I mean, you have – like, first off, they still don't have an NHL goalie under contract. We'll get into this later. Malcolm Subban did not get a qualifying offer, so he's an unrestricted free agent. Colin Dealey and Matt Tompkins are under contract. Kevin Lankinen's under contract. And I don't think they have any other minor leaguers under contract right now or any other college or prospects anywhere else under, under contract. Am I missing somebody? You mentioned oh, Matt Tompkins, right? Yeah. Yeah, did, he did. yeah. Tompkins, Lincoln, and Delia. That's it. Yep. Three goals yep. in the entire organization. Now four, but, and, and they also have. Uh, if they Dominic, sign him. Huh? If they sign. Well, uh, yeah, they, and they haven't even signed him yet. Dominic Bassey was a six round pick in 2019. He, is still going through college and hasn't been offered a contract yet. I would wager heavy sums of money that the Blackhawks have some goalie identified somewhere that they will sign within the next month or two because there's no way in hell they're going to go into next season with the goaltending pipeline as it is. Like, they've got to add guys at the NHL level for sure because they have to have a roster. But they also, (laughs) I assume, they're going to be adding guys in the AHL, ECHL, college, somewhere. There's going to be more goalies in the system. I'd be stunned if they don't have somebody with an, that with their eye on right now. So. Just one note about Askarov: his KHL contract runs until 2022. So yeah, that I, so 22-23 would have been his like NHL debut season. And and I still feel like there's it's it's probably faded in recent years, but I still feel like there's people have that hesitation about drafting Russian players because you don't know if they're going to leave the KHL because it, it still happens from time to time. I mean, we're, we're still waiting to hear about Kayamov because he seems like he comes back and forth every year. I mean, the Blackhawks have a goalie prospect, Ivan Nalimov, who might come over at some point, might not. He who did knows? come over in March. I talked to him. <laughs> okay. And then what happened? And then everything shut down and he went back. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, what about Maxim Shalinov? Is he ever going to sign? No. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's just like, <clears throat> if you're scared about drafting a Russian player, you don't have good Russian scouts or, uh, you know, team service personnel for like player relations, or you're just cowards. <laughs> okay. If you so, just I mean, had. If That's really what it boils down to, those three things. If you just had Mike Smith as your GM, you'd draft 20 Russian players, and then they'd show up eventually anyway. That's a joke for anybody that was a Blackhawks fan like prior to 2002. We're not talking about the Edmonton goalie. We're talking about the old Blackhawks GM. But it would be fun if we were talking about that goalie. <laughs> it would be. It'd be hilarious because he'd throw his stick and break it over the crossbar or, you know, whatever. Hey, remember the Blackhawks put like eight goals on him in the first playoff game this year or qualifying round series game this year? That was good times. I mean, temperamental goaltenders have transitioned well to GM. Look at Ron Hextall. I'm going to be Wendell Young. I'm, I, you know what? I'm, I'm trying to think of a counter to that. I'm sure there was a goalie that also went into the front office and was a disaster. Patrick Law. Holmgren. There you go. There, there you go. <laughs> Correlation is not causation here, Shepard. I mean, Patrick Watt wasn't in the front office. He was a head coach, and he wasn't a bad head coach. He was just like, I'm fl- he was just flaky. He was just crazy. Yeah. But anyway, back to the present. Any thoughts on the draft picks from rounds three through seven, gentlemen? I mean, Landon Slaggers from Notre Dame, so Brandon and I are already partial to him a little bit. The, the fact that they draft – Wyatt Kaiser, like, when they draft players out of Europe, that's it's one thing, but, like – I, I think there's a much easier context when you tell me that Wyatt Kaiser graduated high school this past summer and he was a third round pick by the Blackhawks. Like that is, that is a crazy thought to me. Cause when I was the summer after I graduated high school, I was not, I mean, obviously wasn't an NHL prospect by any means, but just the fact that an NHL team was calling for him is just that that's a, a thing I can relate to. And just that blows my mind that that happens. But, it sounds like he skates very well. I feel like because he's a, a hockey player from Minnesota that's very young and is a defenseman with some offensive skills about him, I feel like Nick Letty's name will be bandied about all the time when he comes up. But yep. uh, as far as the rest of the late-round draft picks that make up the 2020 Blackhawks draft class, do you guys have any additional thoughts or observations? The Blackhawks like big boys. <laughs> well, that's funny because I feel like I've heard for the all I've heard for the last – two to three years that they just draft undersized defensemen. 
but I mean, they they clearly wanted to change that. They drafted <laughs> yeah. a six eight guy and a six three guy. Yeah, they they got to. I mean, they like when when I was looking at Crevier, my first thought was this kind of reminds me of Dustin Bufflin, just a big huge guy that moves pretty well for a guy his size. He's even yeah. bigger than Dustin Bufflin, which is the crazy thing. And and Bufflin was like an eighth round pick. I I actually remember Bufflin was picked in a round that does not exist anymore, and yes. ended up where he eight. did. So. So if they got another Dustin Bufflin, that would be fantastic. Brent, I mean, and then there's also Phillips. Go ahead, Shepard. I'm sorry. Really, there's also Phillips who moves really well. Like he skates really well. He's got he's got to work on his offensive game, but right now he looks pretty good defensively. Yeah, I I think I, I the one thing I like is it seemed like with just about everyone the Blackhawks picked this year, like I I don't see anybody that can't skate. It seems like yeah. everybody can skate, which is encouraging because that seems like that's a big thing about the way the league is moving is everybody can skate Ford's defense. Hell, even the goalies can probably skate, but even well, the guy that's six, seven, two sixteen can move pretty well. I wouldn't say the goalie can skate. Well, <laughs> I mean, have you seen Mark Andre Fleury uh, taking a, sh- a shootout practice? No, I still He's... maintain that would be my fav- My dream for an all-star game is let the goalie skate out for one period just to see what they can do. I guarantee you some of them can, some of them can, can play. Brandon, do you have any burning thoughts about the Blackhawks draft class? Slager is a player who can play in all situations, but he lacks like the offensive upside that you would hope to see for a early third round pick. Okay. Uh, so David Kampf. I mean, I would hope that he's not like that. Like from what I've seen, like his vision's there, but it just doesn't like the speed and the skill doesn't lock in like it should yeah for what he can do for whatever reason so hopefully actually being with the coaches on a daily basis at Notre Dame instead of just like oh hey that's my dad like hanging out (laughs) will uh help him out his dad's an associate coach there Kaiser just seems like a normal like this guy will be a college defenseman he'll be there for three years and then They'll be like, oh, he signed. That's cool. Ian Mitchell Road? No, I'm thinking more like Gilbert. Not saying like that they play the same, but. And then the Czech defenseman that they took in the fourth round, I was just encouraged to see that he was drafted first overall in the CHL import draft by. Kelowna. Kelowna, yeah. Which is the same team that Duncan Keith played for way back in the day. There we go. Future Hall of Famer. Book it. (laughs) And in the like massive file or I guess story that we published on the website we linked all the social media channels that these players have and if you go check out his Instagram the boy likes to lift he is all about the workouts which again like made me think of Keith because I was like there's some similarities there does he post weird pictures in nature on Instagram I'm sure he'll get there (laughs) all right sounds good (laughs) Like like I, I said earlier, uh, we'll we'll see where it goes. Um, I that's all that's all I can offer you. We'll see where it goes. Uh, there there's a lot of potential, like there's with every draft class. We hope some of them uh, pan out because the Blackhawks obviously need some of these prospects to start making the leap to the NHL level. I'll grade this a C minus. All right. Uh, I, I don't have a grade. I'll I'll go. No, uh, I don't I don't grade until five years down the road. There you go. I'm with Shepard. That's all our draft talk. When we come back on the other side of this timeout, we're going to talk about some Blackhawks news involving the parent club. And uh, we'll do that right on the other side of this break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back to Musings on Madison, and as promised before the break, we're going to talk about some of the news involving the actual Blackhawks this week. Starting on Monday, it was Monday, right? Yeah, it was Monday that Olimata was traded by the Blackhawks, pretty much just a salary cap dump move. Uh, Shepard, I know you're, you're crestfallen at the news. Uh, yes. He was traded to... L.A. Uh, say that again? 
L.A. He was traded to the Kings. He was traded to the Kings for a player who's probably going to play in the AHL, if not the ECHL. Yes. And whose name escapes me? Fredrickson? Brad Morrison. Wow, I was close. Brad Morrison. Any relation to Jim? I, I was, I'm, I'm wondering, Brandon, any relation to Cameron? Oh. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> anyway, the, so the Blackhawks traded Olimata. Frees up about $3 million in cap space. They had to retain $750,000 in that deal. So they don't completely clear the salary cap hit off the books. But uh, within the next two seasons, that money will be gone. And that will be the end of that. Just real quick thoughts on that, Brandon Shepard. I guess, Shepard, we'll start with you because I know you didn't weren't the most fond of this trade. They retained $750,000, um, too, which is rough. But, like, when he was your when he was clearly, like, the best defenseman they had in the playoffs um, and he and Cuckoo were the best pairing they had towards the end of the year, it hurts to trade him, especially when – He's younger than Calvin DeHaan and arguably, and this is a case I would very much like to make, but there's no reason to anymore, better than Calvin DeHaan. Why wouldn't you trade Calvin DeHaan? Well, I, I hear you, and I, I think that's a valid point, but I think Calvin DeHaan's injury history may have made it as such that the teams didn't want him. Yeah. I, I think that's a bigger problem because I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the Blackhawks tried to find a way to unload DeHaan because he's not – if they're going to commit to this man-to-man style of defense, the Han doesn't move all that well, so he's not really no. the best fit for the system they're trying to play. He's uh, He seems like he would fit and work in some other systems, not what the Blackhawks are doing. So I imagine there would be some sort of demand for him, but he's also got a fair amount of injury history. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a problem. But going back to the Amada trade, I think – I. I I don't know if I'd call him the best Blackhawks defenseman in the playoffs. He was pretty good. Maybe they're just selling high and get, getting the most of what they can. And uh, I, I know they didn't get anything in return. Just, I guess, getting him out while you still – you unload the salary while you still can because, as we've seen with some other players the Blackhawks have, if you wait too long to unload the salary, then maybe you have to throw in a good prospect with them to get rid of that salary. So Or a first-round pick. Or a first-round pick. So I'm not – and if the Blackhawks can't replace a third-pairing defenseman, they have bigger problems than trading away Olimato. Brandon, did you have anything else to add on that trade? Yeah, I thought it was weird that the Blackhawks thought, like, <clears throat> Calvin DeHaan could shoulder the load with, uh, you know, a new defenseman coming in. Nothing? That was a good joke. Damn it. Oh, because he has shoulder, shoulder issue history. Good yeah. one, Brandon. God damn. Also was surprised to see that they traded away a former London Knight in Old <laughs> Very surprised by that move. Oh, don't worry. Just wait a year. I'm sure they'll trade and get Mata back just because that's how the Blackhawks roll. And <laughs> eh, whatever. It doesn't matter. I, that's also, you know what? <laughs> I think that's an underrated part of this trade is it's the end of those jokes. But now we uh, have the yet man thing. <laughs> I'm already so sick of, of not yet man jokes. And I made one as soon as they drafted him and I hated myself for it. And I hated all the other tweet I saw about it. And I'm already done with them. <clears throat> yeah. I just don't see like where like things shake out because it would seem that you would put, Keith and Mitchell together, and then DeHaan and Boquist, and Carlson and Murphy. That seems like a thing there. But yeah, then, but like, well, who's your third pairing there? Are you putting Boquist on your third pairing? They're all third no, Carlson pairings. and Murphy. <laughs> Murphy, the best defenseman they have, unarguably, inarguably, clearly, the best defenseman they have is on their third pairing. No, that's not how they view it, though. I, I that, my, if, they, my, if they still view Duncan Keith as the best defenseman at 38 years old. And this organization needs a lot of fucking help. Well, I could have told you that a long time ago. <laughs> I, my thought was Keith and Murphy, uh, Boquist and DeHaan, and then Mitchell and – well, I think it was Mitchell and Cuckoo. So now Mitchell and Bowden? Bodine, however you say it. I keep saying his name like uh, like Chris Bowden, but I don't think that's how you yeah. pronounce that name. 
It's is it Bo Dan, like two first names? Because that's what I think it is. Oh, weird French names. I should probably know this, but oh well. But yeah. I mean, I, I have no um, idea what the Blackhawks' defense situation is going to look like because – Hey, they don't either. <laughs> well, that's part of it. And the other part of it was uh, we have no idea what's going on with Brent Seabrook still. Like, I, I understand – I'm sure at any point if somebody called Stan Bowman and said, hey, we'll take Brent Seabrook in a trade – Bowman would probably pass out, have to be awoken and said, all right, now what do you want for him? But, yeah. and there's also Wyatt Kalanick, the free agent uh, they signed that was uh, out of Minnesota. So Wisconsin, yeah. Wisconsin. very different places. Really? Yes. I mean, maybe in terms of quality of college hockey teams, but it's fishing and it's cold. Minnesota and Wisconsin. Boom. One's got cheese. The other has... I don't know what they have, like fried shit. Yeah, potatoes. <laughs> I'm not sure. What the, I don't know what the food. Uh, Minnesota's hot dish. Hey, hot dish. I, I hot dish. No there you go. Yeah, they uh, they they're the state of hockey, though. Just ask them; they'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Even though the one uh, Wyatt Kaiser is already my favorite Blackhawk prospect because he said, "I grew up as a Wild fan, and all they've done is let me down." So <laughs> immediately love that kid. There's another. Who was it? The Phillips had a good one too. Oh, it was because he was a Boston fan, right? No, he said he grew up a Maple Leafs fan, and he said loved watching them through the ups and downs. Maybe a little more downs than ups. <laughs> That's what I need. More prospects trashing their hometown teams in their interviews after they get drafted. I'm I'm here for that. It wasn't a yeah. player that got drafted and said he grew up as a Boston fan, and the Blackhawks broke his heart. Holy. That was a goal. That was a goal. Okay. So it's, it's interesting to hear all these players talk about like Lucas Reichel said his favorite player growing up was Patrick Kane. And we talked about my hair. I think about 30% of it fell out after hearing that sentence, because that was just another reminder that we're all very, very old. I mean, if, if the Black if it comes out that the Blackhawks drafted the players based on sense of humor, I would not be angry about this draft. <laughs> <laughs> For I I was pretty sure they were going to draft Brisson just because his dad is the agent for Taves and Kane. That seemed like a very Blackhawks thing to do. I thought for sure that that was going to be a road that they were going to go down. But I'm glad they didn't. Not that Brisson's going to – I have any strong opinions about Brisson, but that would seem like a dumb reason to pick up a player. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's any, like, way to put together this defensive lineup and not be like, well, this is set in stone. Like, this makes sense. Because yeah. – so much could happen in the next, what, 48 hours? Yeah. 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 And throw it all for a loop. This will go out Thursday morning, and everything we talk about could be changed drastically by whatever happens Thursday morning. So. Yeah. And to go back to what Dave was saying earlier, it also comes down to what Brent Seabrook's doing. Because he, there, in my mind, there's two things that Brent Seabrook does. He either plays 80 games or he's, he retires. Uh, there's no in between. He gets the LTIR retirement. Wait, I but he's his contract is legal though, right? I it was signed after it was it was signed after the lockout. Yeah, see that that's what I thought. I I thought they had a way to there. Yeah, I'm, his, I'm his sure there's a way legal. the Blackhawks. I I feel like the Blackhawks believe there's a way that they can bury that deal. Yeah, I think have they him just retire have to get, and sign and sign with the organization for the same amount of money as like a scout. I think they just have to get Seabrook to buy into it, and I'm not so sure he is willing to do that because, to his credit, he seems hell-bent on getting back onto the NHL level. And I can give him all the credit in the world for doing it, but I don't know if if that's going to help the Blackhawks. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but speaking of defensive situations, on Wednesday was the deadline for qualifying offers to go out to restricted free agents, and there was a couple surprises involving the Blackhawks First off, and this is from, uh, I'm reading this from the Ben Pope Sun-Times article, so we can give this proper credit. Uh, Malcolm Subban did not get a qualifying offer. He's an unrestricted free agent. Slater Cuckoo was also not uh, given a qualifying offer. That report came from Scott Powers of The Athletic. A little bit of a surprise, I think, and we'll get back to that in a second. Uh, no surprises here that Dominic Kubelik and Dylan Strom both were given qualifying offers. So the Blackhawks still have to figure out exactly what, contracts are going to get but they now have more time to negotiate that and then down at the bottom of the roster uh guys who were pretty much 
destined for AHL futures, and now some of them are already on their way to Europe. Alexander Fortan, Jacob Nilsson, Ian Makashin, and Yoni Talola were all not extended qualifying offers. They are all unrestricted free agents. The one player that we don't know about is Drake Kajula, which is weird. Uh, I, I don't understand why the Blackhawks aren't saying anything about this. I actually asked Ben Pope about this on Twitter, and he said they're pretty tight-lipped compared to other franchises. It'll just be weird if Kajula signs with another team out of the blue, even, even though nobody knew he was an unrestricted free agent. So I guess we'll find out in the next day or two, hopefully, whatever the status of Kajula is. But going back to the Slater Cuckoo news, I know, again, Shepard, you were quite fond of that pairing. Uh, so what was your reaction when you found out that Slater Cuckoo may not be Black, but the Blackhawks next year? Honestly, really upset because he would have been the perfect seventh defenseman for this team. Um, he can sort of go anywhere on the lineup and do do well. He's I think he's played well with Keith. He's played well with Murphy. I think he he's somebody who moves well with the puck. He's a, he's a good puck mover. He's not bad to watch defensively. I think if you put him with like an actual consistent defensive partner, I think if you put him with Calvin DeHaan, he probably does good. Like yeah. he he clearly elevated Olimata's play. Like I, I thought. I thought he was fine. Like, I, I don't yeah. think he was a problem, but I, I also think on the other side of that coin, you have all these young defensemen coming up through the system. Somebody had to go. And going back to what I said about Mata, if you can't replace the third pairing defenseman with the prospects you've been hyping up for years, you have problems with those prospects. So, yeah. And, and, and we should also point out like the Blackhawks could still sign him just because he did not get a qualifying offer does not mean he's not allowed to sign with the Blackhawks when free agency opens later this week, but right. Maybe the, maybe the qualifying offer would have to be like 1.25 and he signs for one flat out one yeah. with the Blackhawks. There's still a possibility here. Brandon, did we miss anything about this? Uh, the only thing is my takeaway. It seems like the Blackhawks are like, well, we're at a point where we're going to see if we were right with these prospects and picking them and seeing, you know, that they can, actually playing the NHL um, where, you know, you have two options. You can either push him through or have what they did with Keith, where you like keep him down and have him mature and develop and get to the point where they're just like dominating the AHL. And then they come with the NHL and they have all this confidence that they like, you know, can play as a pro already and they can just step right in. But it seems like they're not, willing to wait with these guys and think that they're ready. Yeah. I mean, going back to your Duncan Keith comp, I mean, he played his debut season was way, way back in 05, 06 when Shepard was probably what third, fourth grade. Oh, five, Oh six. Yeah. Junior high. Junior like high. So. Fifth grade, fifth grade. Sixth, sixth <laughs> Didn't mean grade. to insult you, but yeah, I, I was, I was in college. <laughs> um, but anyway, but, I mean, Keith, Keith played 81 games that year. Obviously not a good stat for analysis but he was a minus 11 that year it was a garbage Blackhawks team and Duncan Keith was not very good on that Blackhawks team it took him a couple years before he started morphing into the all-star defenseman that he became so it's it's expecting a lot out of all these very young players to show up and just figure shit out immediately like the Blackhawks better be right about Ian Mitchell (laughs) is, is what a lot of this is coming down to and He's done nothing like – he, he's only played in college, so he's done nothing to diminish that because he's been very good in college. But, you know, the NHL is a much different beast. And they're – like with him and, and Bowden and Boquist, the, the Blackhawks better be right about the potential of all those players or they are pretty much fucked. <laughs> like there's not really another way to say it. If those guys don't work out, this team is – it's going to be disaster – for the next three to four years, even more than it's been in the past. Right. They were already the worst defense in the league. Yeah. And somehow it could be worse. Yeah. Cause Keith played one year in junior, then two in the AHL. And, and then it was then so basically. long ago, it was with the Norfolk admirals, not even the Rockford ice hogs. <laughs> Man, if I'm like marketing department for the ice hogs, I am pissed about that because I feel like, they could do so well with just plastering his face all over the place. Right. Well, you, I mean, they have, they have Crawford and they have Chalmerson and some other guys, but like, if you can hang your hat on Keith, like, yeah, 
Yeah, maybe. come watch the future Norris Trophy winner, but unfortunately they can't do that. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh it's going to be interesting to see because that's that's where so much of what the Blackhawks have been trying to do for the last couple of years has been with the anticipation that these guys are going to show up and be legitimate NHL quality defensemen. And if that does not happen, shit. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's, yeah. We're, we're going to be back here in a year talking about the lottery because that's probably where the Blackhawks are going to end up. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's where the Blackhawks end up no matter what. Well, th- there is that too. We're trying to be optimistic, Shepard. We haven't even gotten through free agency yet. Let's at least. Oh, I am. I am being optimistic. I think there's a great defenseman at the top of next year's draft. That's exactly what they need. <laughs> they don't need another like one one round playoff run. They need another. They need another defenseman. Mm. Yeah. Well. Well. They, they've got three potentially. So we'll 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 see. But. Before we get out of here, we do want to do a little discussion about the free agency period that's coming up on Friday. Now, one thing to keep an eye on, and we're not going to be able to talk about this because we don't know what the fate of this situation is yet. One of the big buyout candidates uh, possible for the Blackhawks is Zach Smith. As uh, was pointed out to me by Ben Pope on Twitter, again, uh, I'll have to give him credit for this. Um, If he's still injured, he may not be – the the situation with him is he if he's injured he cannot be bought out. However, if he is, he could be a uh, a bio candidate that would free up uh, about three million dollars in cap space for the Hawks. I think something around that mark. Right now they have, according to Cap Friendly, as I'm looking at their page right now, they have eleven million dollars in cap space, and that does not include whatever money they're going to give to Dylan Strom and Dominic Kubalik, and they also have to address the goalie situation. And they probably got a few more roster spots to figure out. So if you say give $3 million each to Stroman Kubalik, which might be roughly in line with what they end up getting, that leaves you with $5 million and you still don't have a goalie. So the reason I bring up all those numbers is because, like just about every other year, it doesn't seem like the Blackhawks are going to have a ton of spending money once free agency opens. And given everything that's going on in the world right now, I don't think any NHL teams are going to be throwing – 20 or 10, 11 million dollar annual salary cap hits uh, out when off, when the free agency period opens on Friday. So maybe there'll be some bargains out there, but uh, Brandon Shepard, any guys out there you see that might be Blackhawks targets or, or anything that might be worth keeping an eye on once free agency opens? Obviously, the goaltending situation is one thing the Blackhawks need to sort out, but uh, any other things that we might need to keep an eye on? Carter, Carter Verhage, maybe? You just made up that name. Uh, he's from Tampa. Yes, he's a Stanley Cup winning champion, Brandon. That's – It did not sound like that's what you said. Carter Verhage. I heard he's something. A pretty good, he's a pretty good bottom six forward. I heard you say something completely different. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Uh, Ver, Ver, Verhage had uh, played eight playoff games and had two assists for – Yeah. The lightning, but like from from a bottom six role, as like a thirteenth forward on that on that team. I mean, that's kind of what you expect from him. I think he's. I think he could do well. I think he's one of the. So there's a collection of of players who like I think would do well in a larger role, and I'll call them Vegas players because that's what happened with Vegas. Uh, I think Carver Carter Verhage might be a Vegas player. I, well, what I was about to say is I feel like the Blackhawks have a lot of thirteenth forwards on their roster right now, which is part of the problem. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, all right. So maybe if he gets more time, he's able to produce more. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, I'm. Okay. I'm saying I'd, I'd I'd rather see him in the in the third line role than Alex Nylander or Drake Kajula. Well, I'd rather see just about anybody in that role than Alex Nylander right now. But that's another conversation for the the 2020 season preview. Oh Jesus! Yeah. When whenever that arrives, which by the way, uh, we should mention that. Uh, they were looks like they're still trying to work on January 1st as the opening date of the upcoming NHL season. So it'll be just the 2021 NHL season at that point. So it's there's like something the 2012, 13 season. It's just the 2013 season. Yeah. And I don't think I saw a report that they're still trying to cram an 82 game season into next year. And I don't see how that's possible. That just doesn't seem attainable right now. Brandon, what you- about you? Sorry, go ahead, Brandon. 
I think when you insert Andrew Shaw back into the forward lineup and you, if you were to take Kajula out, you put Pia Suter in, and I don't see any changes because you have your fourth line of Carpenter, Camp, Highmore, and then Suter's back in there, Shaw's in there, and that's just what you got if they're bringing back Strom which all signs point to doing that. So, The one trade we didn't mention was the Brandon Peary trade that happened. Uh, they traded Dylan Sakura for Brandon Peary, and my initial thought to that was fine. It like, seems like it's just a trade of a, guys who are going to be AHL players. However, I, if the Blackhawks, for some stupid reason, have themselves convinced that Brandon Peary can be the third center and they trade Dylan Strom, We'll be back here talking about a lottery draft next year because Brandon Perry has proven time and time again that he's not interested in playing defense at an NHL level. So the idea that he could play the number three center for the Blackhawks is not a good one. Uh, he's not a center either. He's a winger. Well, but he's been playing center his whole career, right? He did not play. I, I watched him in Vegas the last few years. He did not play center. Are you saying that he, he was, was a different position or he was just not – good at it no he, he was a different he was a different position he never slotted he never slotted in at center for the Vegas Golden Knights. well I, I I lost track of Brandon Peary after he left Chicago after they freed I him. I as somebody who also covers Vegas I had to track him for the last two years okay um but yeah I th- so that was my concern when Brandon said Dylan Strom coming back I I hope they bring Dylan Strom back because it seems like there might be something there a worthwhile like in the next five years, Doc and Strom are your top two centers. Taves kind of slides back to the third center, and that's still a pretty good top three centers. Um, so I hope Dylan Strom comes back and proves worthy of the top ten pick that he was initially. So, but yeah, like going back to what Brandon said, uh, if you're expecting any massive changes by the Blackhawks this offseason, I think you're going to be severely disappointed because um, they, they don't have a lot of cap space. There's not a ton out there. Um, I feel like they might nab a veteran defenseman somewhere because it seems like the Blackhawks do that in just about every offseason. So somewhere they will sign a veteran to a one-year contract worth like $1 to $2 million. Who that's going to be, I have no idea. Um, It seems like there are a lot of – excuse me, there were a lot of uh, players similar to Slater Cuckoo that seemed like they had roster spots locked down but were not given – uh, qualifying offers for restricted free agency. So there might be some some bargain players out there because of the salary situation and everything else financially going on in the world. But outside of that, uh, they need a goalie and, and maybe even two of them. And who that's going to be, I ain't got the slightest clue. Yeah, I don't see them like ponying up for Jacob Markstrom. Not like Darcy I, I, Kemper. Or, or Braden Holpe? No, no. <laughs> yeah, that's just... No, it's... No. Yeah, I mean, agreed. The Matt Murray rumors that were bouncing around the internet, uh, that apparently, like, I can't remember if it was the, the Blackhawks called them or if the Penguins called the Blackhawks, but there was discussion about trading Matt Murray to Chicago, but they never agreed on anything, so they're still shopping him around. That one would be interesting. I don't know if I'd like it, but... He got traded to Ottawa. He got traded to Ottawa. Thank you. I've completely forgot about that. Uh, So, no, they won't have Matt Murray next year. (laughs) Yeah. I guess, like, Thomas Grice from the Islanders, maybe, or Craig Anderson comes home, but he's 39. Um, If you're going with with an over-35 goaltender, why aren't you trying to keep Corey Crawford in that situation? Exactly. Yeah, if you're going to get a veteran goalie in his mid-late 30s, just bring Crawford back. I mean, that's what they, they all are. I mean, Kemper's pretty young. The other name I was going to throw out there was Anton Hudobin, who had a pretty good run with Dallas in the postseason this year. I, I have to believe that Dallas finds a way to keep him. True. I mean, that, that's another situation. But, but that also brings up somebody who could be moved and might be moved for cheaper than he usually would, who the Blackhawks could very much use, and Ben Bishop. Darcy Kemper's 30. Right, but he's not 35. That's fair. And and the other situation is if the Blackhawks get into any type of bidding war for any of these goalies, they're going to lose because they don't have the salary cap space to spend. 
exactly. So, but they well, do have they move someone else, which you know, if, if they trade to even like even if you factor in the Zach Smith buyout, like they still don't have a ton of money to spend. I mean, you know, maybe if you move Dehan's contract somehow, or God forbid, or God forbid the Seabrook deal happens that's been getting prayed for for the last three years. Um, I don't even I don't know what other options they have. Uh, you know, it's not like they can drop six seven million dollars on a uh, on a two year three year goalie deal. So I will say that the Blackhawks do have an excellent negotiating tactic when talking to goalies if they want to bring them in. Lots of work. Yep. If you want to show off that you can be an NHL goalie, well, damn it, I got the job for you. <laughs> Never you a dull moment Blackhawks net. <laughs> Do you like scrambling in the net? Do you like making tons of saves and having a 35-plus night every night? Well, you've come to the right place. And we'll feed you. Very well. <laughs> I guess that's almost part of the concern is whatever goalie they bring in. You saw how the Blackhawks were last year, that they were the 24th or maybe the 23rd team into the 2014 playoff format with Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford having incredible seasons. So if they sign a guy who ends up being average and the product in front of them doesn't get any better, holy shit, (laughs) that's going to be a problem. Or I, I guess on the optimistic side, all those young prospects show up. They're really good, and the Blackhawks figure something out next year. I, I don't want to be too doom and gloomy because, well, everything else is doom and gloomy. So I don't want to get <laughs> that way about the Blackhawks yet until like February when they start one and eight. So I do have one question that's like sort of about that, but not at the same time. I've had it. What are your guys' thoughts about the Blackhawks and other NHL teams pushing ticket sales for next season? It's insane, and I don't think they're going to get many. And I understand why the players don't want to do bubbles, or don't want to do a full-time bubble. But if there's a way to do a bubble with their families that the NHL can figure out, that's what they need to do. Uh, if, as long as they're pushing ticket sales with the promise that if there's not home games, they won't like they'll get refunded or pushed to next year. It's fine. I mean, these are businesses; they do have to make money. So, I it's it, it may it may not be the best look, I guess, but I, I don't expect professional sports franchises to have good looks all the time. So, it that that's just the way it is. Uh, yeah, I I got. I don't have too much outrage for that. Are, are, you, are you offended by that somehow, Brandon? No, I'm in the same boat as you, where yeah. if you provide that disclaimer that, hey, you'll be refunded if you, you know, invest with us, but then also know, like, hey, like, if things go south and we'll give you back your money, then that's fine. Because um, people should know, like, as you mentioned, like, this is a business. They have to make money. Like, they haven't been drawing in revenue. <laughs> Yeah. Long time. So, I mean, they have to meet their bottom line to keep things moving along. Uh, You can only sell so many draft day hats. Hey, I thought the draft day hats weren't bad. And not so bad. But like you said, uh, those don't quite match up to ticket sales. No, and I don't think think there's that many Lucas Raquel jerseys going out so far. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we don't even know what number he's going to wear yet. So Right. We don't even know what number number one overall is going to wear yet. He wears number 44 in Germany, but, you know, Kelvin DeHaan is that lockdown right now. Yeah. I don't think Kelvin DeHaan is part of this team when Lucas Argel joins it. All right, gentlemen. I think that'll uh, do it for this year's episode of Musings on Madison. Uh, I'm sure we'll have another episode next week recapping whatever free agency shenanigans happen or if there's any other big trades that unfold over the next two to three days. Um, shenanigans. Exactly. Hey, Farva. It's that place you like with the cheese sticks and all the shit on the walls? Shenanigans? Oh, thank you. Thank you for getting that reference. I was going to be really upset if neither one of you did that. <laughs> but thank you very much for listening to this episode. Stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com. We'll have all the updates whenever the Blackhawks make any moves in the next few days. Follow along with all of us on Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast. Rate and review. All those wonderful things. Stay safe. Hopefully we can uh, get some 
actual hockey fans into the stadium for the next season that starts whenever it's going to start. Wear your mask, stay safe, and as always, go Hawks.